Welcome to the Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell. I'm an above average home cook on a mission to help you elevate your everyday meals from ordinary to extraordinary. Aren't you tired of making the same boring meals every week? Well, I've got just the podcast for you. Every Monday episode will inspire you with new and diverse recipes. Together, we'll uncover the dish's rich history, we'll break down the ingredients, and talk through the step-by-step cooking process. Whether you're new to cooking or just looking for some weekly recipe inspo, this is the show for you. Be sure to follow on all social media platforms at The HCG Podcast for additional cooking inspo and show updates. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell, and today we are making a family favorite and an age-old classic. Chicken pot pie, people. We all know it. We all love it. And I do believe it is one of those dishes that every home cook must be able to make. It is deceptively easy and incredibly rewarding. It's warm, it's creamy, it has a flaky buttery crust, and there are vegetables in it. So I can use that to convince myself that it is healthy. It's one of those dishes where you realize you actually have all of the ingredients already in your home, and you can kind of just whip it up on a whim. Again, a chicken pot pie on a whim is a luxury, but you can probably dig in your freezer and find some of those frozen veggies that your mom got you three years ago. Those still work. You've got some flour. You can make a puff pastry if you don't have them pre-made. So a chicken pot pie is also very versatile. It's a perfect vessel for any kind of leftover chicken or turkey that you might have in your fridge. Hello, after Thanksgiving, a turkey pot pie just sounds amazing the day after. I'm not someone who makes a sandwich out of all this stuff. I want that turkey reused in a pot pie. But do you have some leftover fennel? Throw it in. Do you have some leftover potatoes? Throw those in too. All veggies can be purchased frozen or in a can, but of course, fresh is always encouraged if that's a possibility for you. This recipe is a super classic chicken pot pie. There are many variations that are a bit more adventurous, but we will get there, people. We're building up. We have to master the classics, then we can move on to fun variations. The chicken pot pie that we know is closer to what they ate in like 16th century Britain. In the first American cookbook, which I do believe I need to purchase, it's, you know, shockingly called American cookery, but it had a bunch of different recipes for various kinds of pies. So this is an American staple, honey. This is in our blood. But obviously, Popeyes really popped off in America in the 1950s. They became a household staple and accessible to a lot more people because they came frozen and Shout out to Marie Callender's. We all know her. We all love her and we love her work. However, once you start making your own pot pies, Mrs. Callender's work doesn't do the same for me. And hopefully you feel that way after listening to this episode and make this pot pie. So we'll be basing today's recipe off of a recipe from thelovelylittlekitchen.com and I will post the recipe in the show notes for you to reference. So this recipe can come together in about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, depending on how fast you chop, frankly. This will feed about four to six people, but hey, it could also be for one. A personal pot pie is glorious, and I have done it before, and I probably will do it again. Pot pie could also be considered a sad meal. Some meals you have to make or some types of cuisines you have to eat when you are sad, it'll immediately make you feel like you've just been hugged by someone you love. So if you do make this for one, leftover pot pie is glorious. The flavors just even get more delicious the next day, and it heats up really nicely. So let's jump into what is needed to make this pot pie. No, this is not a Sweeney Todd-esque pie. Shout out to my Sweeney Todd heads out there. Um, No humans will be used within this pot pie. So the main part of a pot pie to me is the top. Whether you're using pie dough or puff pastry, 
you want that flaky, buttery crust on top. It's like a blanket. I prefer using puff pastry over pie dough because I do want that flakiness, um, but they are frankly interchangeable in this recipe. So there's a lot of back and forth with pot pie on if you should include a crust on the bottom in addition to the top. You know, the choice is yours, but with pot pies, I'm a top. And this recipe will be, you know, for my fellow tops. But if you are a bottom, hey, and a top, your verse. You can just line the baking dish with puff pastry on the bottom as well do you, whatever. When I have done a kind of crust on the bottom, I prefer doing pie crust versus puff pastry. I find it's a little bit less soggy. But again, I go bottomless. I will admit though, I am not a home cook who is stacking their freezer with pre-made pie dough, pre-made puff pastry. I have made my own puff pastry. I've made my own pie dough. Great. Claps to you, Megan. (laughs) But you know, it's just a lot of extra time and a lot of extra work. And honestly, like dealing with flour always just annoys me. It makes everything messy. So you will be finding me in the um, frozen aisle at your local grocery store buying pre-made puff pastry or pre-made pie dough. Puff pastry is really just cold salted butter, cold water, salt, and all-purpose flour. Puff pastry does come at a bit of a premium at the store. You'll notice it's a little bit pricier. So making it at home is obviously cost-effective, but Sometimes when you're just trying to get dinner on the table, you're not trying to make a homemade pie dough or puff pastry. You know, do what your heart desires. And at this point in my life, my heart desires the easy way out and just buying it pre-made. Puff pastry is generally sold with two sheets in there. So in this recipe, again, if you're only using the top, you will have one extra one, which can be used for a million different things. You could use it for pigs in a blanket or kind of like a cheese straw that you twist up and put some Parmesan on and use it as an appetizer. Or, you know, you can make a vegetable and cheese tart or desserts. I've made puff pastry pop tarts where you lay a puff pastry down and then some jam on the bottom and then you put another layer of puff pastry on top and then you, it's quite lovely and so easy. So you might be paying a little bit more for the pre-made, but you get that second one, and then now you have an excuse to eat a tart or dessert. So you're welcome. We want to make sure that we're taking it out about 20 to 30 minutes before we plan on cooking, just so it could sit in room temperature and soften by the time that we're ready to cook it. If you take it out just before you're going to be putting it on, it's going to come out frozen, and you're going to try to pull it apart so that it opens, but that's never a good idea. The, the sections will break apart, and we don't want that happening. Then we will need four tablespoons of butter. We will need one-fourth cup of chopped white onion. This should be about one medium-sized onion, and we don't want to keep the pieces too large, so we're going to give them a good chop. Again, it's all about mouthfeel. Do you want a big piece of onion in your pot pie, or do you really just want the flavor imparted across the whole mixture? Then we will need one-fourth of a cup of chopped celery, which is about one to two stalks. And I know celery is a controversial topic for pot pies. It's a worldwide debate, evidently. But I do feel like you can't start making the base of any kind of classic pot pie without, you know, a proper mirepoix, as they say, which is just, you know, the, the fancy French way of saying diced onions, carrots, and celery all just gently cooked in olive oil or butter butter in this case. Then you obviously need the last part of our mirepoix, which is one-fourth cup of chopped carrots, which is about one to two carrot sticks if you're using them fresh. These will soften as you cook, so you can dice them, but they don't have to be too small. 
And I don't bother spending time peeling my carrots. I just chop them up really quickly and throw them in. The skin on the outside of a carrot is so thin that it's really not necessary for you to chop it, obviously wash it, but just don't waste your time peeling these carrots. You can also use frozen carrots here too. And if they're larger carrots, I would just say take them out a couple minutes before you start sauteing so that they have some time to thaw out before you throw them into your pan. Then we will need one half a cup of frozen peas. And I feel like everybody kind of has that little bag of frozen peas in their freezer, whether it's to, you know, <laughs> decrease the swelling on the swollen ankle or to actually cook with. If you also have a mixed bag of vegetables, you can use that too. But for whatever reason, they always put green beans in the mixed bag. And I just feel like a green bean has no business in my pot pie. But again, you do you. This is not my pot pie. I'm just bringing you to the party. I don't need to show you how to dance too. Then we'll need one fourth of a teaspoon of salt. Then we will need two tablespoons of flour. All purpose or whole wheat work for this recipe. And then we will need two cups of milk. I haven't tried this with any kind of non-dairy milk. Maybe flavorless oat milk or almond milk could possibly work, but that is your personal journey, not mine. Um, I can't confirm or deny if that's delicious or not, but go off. Again, as I mentioned, this is your pot pie, not mine. And then we will need one half a cup of light or heavy cream which is just to add additional creaminess to what is already a creamy dish. Then we will need one teaspoon of better than bouillon chicken base. So if you don't have access to better than bouillon, which is a little bit pricey at your grocery store, you can use bouillon powder, which is a lot more affordable, and you'll use about one teaspoon there as well, which is about half of a bouillon cube. And this is just to impart additional chickeny flavor to our dish. If you don't have access to this, feel free to leave it out. You won't notice it's missing, but it's delicious when you have it. If you are able to get it better than bouillon, it is a really great investment for home cooks. It will last in your fridge forever. Those are one of those things I just never look at the expiration date on and just keep using until the jar is finished, which I don't know what that says about me, but you know what? I'm never sick and I have a really good immune system. So this will last. <laughs> it could be used for soups. I also had a friend once tell me that they use better than bouillon in their water that they use to cook rice, which probably just adds a delicious flavor to your rice. So I'm gonna actually try that, but. Then we will need two cups of cooked chicken. As I mentioned earlier, a pot pie is kind of the perfect time to use up leftover chicken breast or any kind of chicken that has been in your fridge for God knows how many days and it's a little bit dry, but this kind of dish will rehabilitate that chicken back to life. Not literally back to life, but you know, close enough. The creamy sauce will definitely mask any of that dryness. You can also just buy a rotisserie, a pre-made rotisserie chicken at your store and use all of the meat and put it into your, your pot pie as well. And as I mentioned up front, you can also swap in turkey as your protein here. And if you're vegetarian, just add more vegetables and take out the chicken. That's it. Voila. Then, of course, we need some herbs to really boost the flavor of our dish. We are going to be using fresh thyme here. We will be using half a teaspoon of chopped fresh thyme. And if you only have dried thyme, the kind of rule of thumb, the ratio between fresh thyme to dry thyme is about three to one. So because this is such a small amount of fresh chopped thyme, I would say maybe use like an eighth of a teaspoon of ground thyme or dried whole thyme. 
So you'll want to make sure that you chop up those whole thymes as well. Don't overthink it though. If you have fresh, amazing, chop those up. If you have ground, use a little bit of that. Then we'll need one egg, slightly beaten with a fork. This will just be for our egg wash on the top of our puff pastry. And more to come on what the hell an egg wash is later in the episode. You may actually have a lot of these ingredients ready, and a bunch of these things are pantry staples, so they're not really going to have a lot of food waste associated with them. Lovely. We love to see it. However, we're going to have the peels from the onions, the tops and possibly the bottoms from the carrot, along with any celery scraps, are all perfect to save for a future chicken, beef, veggie, or seafood stock. I like to save all of my vegetable scraps in a freezer bag for the future. And again, there are different types of ways that you could use scraps. And we'll talk about that on every episode. But not all vegetables can be used for future stocks. Every episode, we'll talk about which compost your vegetable scraps should go into. Because it could be a little tricky, it could be a little bit confusing, and when you get deeper into composting, you'll start to understand which things can be used as an aromatic for a future stock, and which things just have to just go back to Mother Earth. If you are using fresh carrots, sometimes they come with the beautiful carrot tops, and we don't want to be wasting those, because they actually have a ton of delicious flavor. The taste of the carrot tops is kind of a mix between parsley and actual carrots, so we want to make sure that we're using that. And there are tons of recipes online for various pestos, or chimichurris, or salsa verde, which is basically kind of three of the same type of thing, where you can take those carrot tops, put it in a food processor with some garlic, and this and that, and it creates this delicious green sauce that you can put on top of meat, fish, anything. It's very rewarding when you see some of your food actually be made into other food rather than just throwing it out. We'll be using one egg, so we'll have the shells that we also need to get rid of. We're going to crush those up and put them in your compost. So that is something that goes back to Mother Earth, baby. We do not put that into our, our vegetable stock. Hard no. And along with the eggshells, if you were using fresh thyme, you'll have the woody stems that the thyme leaves are growing off of. And so those will also end up in your compost bin that are not for stock. Sadly, there is no flavor in woody stems and there's no real use for them after you take the leaves off. As I mentioned, you may have a second sheet of pup pastry left over. You could put that baby back in the freezer and use it for another time. Hey, maybe you'll make another pot pie the next day. One of the best parts about cooking with frozen veggies is that there is no food waste. Oh, the church bells are going off. <laughs> so God is listening to us make a pot pie. Okay, so let's get to the fun part. First things first, as I mentioned before, we're going to make sure we take out that puff pastry to thaw at room temperature while we're prepping everything else. Then we will preheat the oven to 400 so that the oven is ready to go when our filling is ready and our puff pastry is properly thawed and laying beautifully on top of our delicious mixture. At this point, you also need to decide what vessel you want to be cooking this in. You could use a standard 9-inch glass pie plate, a 9x9 baking dish. You can also use a oven-safe skillet, which means you will make the filling in the skillet, and then you'll just put the puff pastry directly on top of that and throw it in the oven. I believe that's called a one-pan meal. <laughs> um, so the filling itself is super simple, and it will come together really fast. So in a tall-rimmed skillet or pot, we're going to be melting that butter over medium-high heat. We'll let that simmer for about a minute, and then we'll add in our chopped onions, celery, and carrots. We will then sprinkle all of our beautiful veg with one-fourth of a teaspoon of salt. We're going to want those three things to saute until the onions are fully translucent and the vegetables start to soften and get tender. If you were using frozen carrots, I would add them in at this step as well. 
But if you're using canned carrots, I would add that towards the end when we're adding in the frozen peas. We don't want the canned carrots to disintegrate and get mushy while we're doing the next step. So once our onions and carrots and celery are looking translucent, about six to eight minutes, we will then sprinkle the whole mixture with a two tablespoons of flour. And so if you're new to cooking, this doesn't look good. Sprinkling flour over any kind of veg or whatever you're cooking never looks good. It's clumpy. It's weird. You'll be thinking you did something wrong, but you did not. Flour is used as a thickening agent for our mixture, so it may look a little bit wonky now, but it really is needed to get that desired thickness of a classic pot pie filling. And we're going to want to make sure we cook that flour for a proper two minutes or so, or else you'll run the risk of having a gluey, floury taste in your final dish. I've heard people say that when they've cooked many meals, sometimes it tastes too floury and too doughy, and it means you're not cooking your flour long enough. So we want to make sure there are not like big powdery clumps. We want to make sure that it looks like all of our onions, celery, carrots are nicely coated with everything and that there's not that much raw flour still in there. So after those two minutes or so, we will gradually whisk in the milk, the heavy cream, and our better than bouillon powder or paste if you have it. And from there, we'll just bring that to a slow boil. And you could stir as you go. And at this point, it gets exciting because you're going to start seeing the sauce thicken up. And you'll start recognizing the pot pie that you know and love. So after about five minutes, you'll see that the sauce has began to thicken. And we're going to be getting closer to the viscosity that we're looking for. So at this point, we can turn the heat to low because we don't want to overcook it at this point. We can add our chicken, our peas, and our thyme. And if you are using canned carrots this is when you would add them in. So at this point, we'll do a quick little taste test. This will be the last time that we're able to season our mixture before it goes into the oven. So you want to make sure that you're happy with how it tastes now before you stick it into the oven. Again, adjust for salt. Are you missing some thyme flavor? Add a little bit more thyme. If you hate the flavor entirely, well then, I I don't know what to tell you. Don't listen to any more shows of mine because then we have very different palates. So at this point, you'll notice that the pot pie mixture itself will seem a little bit liquidy and maybe not as firm as you would expect it to be, but the mixture will firm up when it's cooking and will have that higher viscosity, as I mentioned, once you take it out of the oven and let it cool down for a little bit. So at this point, our mixture is tasting delicious. It is properly seasoned. So now we can put our chicken mixture into our 9x9 baking dish, pie pan, or again, you could skip this step if you're planning to use the oven-safe skillet that you've already used to make your sauce mixture. So at this point, we're ready to put our thawed puff pastry over our mixture. So, you know, this overachiever at the lovely little kitchen made a lovely little crosshatch on top of her puff pastry, which is absolutely stunning and something I will be doing in the future. But most of the time, I'm not that patient to work on something like that. And I just will lay the puff pastry down on top of the mixture. And a lot of times, the dish that you have won't be the same size as your baking dish. So I'll just make sure I go in and I do a little measurement before I put the puff pastry on. And then I cut the puff pastry to be the exact size of the baking vessel that we'll be using. And I just make sure that I pinch around the edges of the pan just to kind of create that additional texture and to make it so it doesn't feel like it's going to completely sink on top of the mixture. Of course, it's going to touch the mixture. That is fine. It is supposed to, but we don't want it to 
be fully submerged. But I do think it's pretty when you have a little bit of a crust around. So if you are using the pre-made puff pastry or even homemade puff pastry, you might have some little scraps that didn't end up fitting with your baking dish. So I usually will kind of cut those up and make pretty little designs and then put them on top of the puff pastry just to add a little panache, if you will. If you're interested, go check out my adorable chicken pot pie picture on the Home Cooks Guide Instagram. And it's just adorable. Nothing will delight your guests or even yourself when you see this beautiful golden pot pie come out of the oven and there's a flower on top of it as well. I mean, if you're getting really fancy, you can use that second puff pastry and make an even more beautiful design. I will say, don't get too crazy with your designs because we want to make sure that the puff pastry has the breathing room to get crispy and delicious. So once our puff pastry is on top of our mixture, we will then take that single egg and use a pastry brush or your fingers or whatever the hell, and you're just going to slather the top of the puff pastry with that beaten egg. So that is what I mentioned was called an egg wash. Egg washes can also contain milk or water, but this one is just super simple with just eggs. So putting the egg on the puff pastry really just ensures that you get a shiny golden finish to that puff pastry, which is really what we're looking for. So before we put the baking sheet in the oven, we do want to just make sure that we're putting our pot pie on a baking sheet or something larger than the vessel that you're cooking the pot pie on because you run the risk of having that bubbling, delicious mixture bubbling over the sides of the crust which can ultimately then fall to the bottom of your oven which will not only just make a mess and be a pain but it can start to burn which means that burning smell might overtake the oven impacting the flavor of our pot pie and then it also might require you to clean it in real time which will then require you to take the pot pie out and then the puff pastry's cooking time might be a little bit wonky so we always want to make sure that we're putting that baking sheet underneath our vessel and this also goes for lasagna or any other type of casserole that is filled to the brim with delicious goodness because you just never know if it's going to bubble over and so at this point we are ready to throw it into our 400 degree oven for 30 to 35 minutes and since the mixture itself is already cooked from our stovetop and we use cooked chicken in our original mixture we'll really just be waiting to see the top of that puff pastry turn a deep golden brown color which will take about 30 to 35 minutes. So from there, we will take it out of the oven. It will be smelling amazing. And even though it is hard, you want to let this cool for about five or so minutes just to let it sit, just to let it cool off. And then you can make that first cut, which is always very hard because it's always a little bit messy. You never know what's going to be in there. Again, we know how delicious it tastes because we already did our taste test before. So the anticipation will be very, very high. I understand that entirely. But the first cut of a pot pie is never a clean cut. When you see these perfect pot pie images on blogs, just know that is bullshit. Utter bullshit. It's not going to be clean cut, but that's just, you know, a part of the fun. This is a family meal. It's good for friends. It's good for, you know, a chill night in. Nobody cares what it looks like. Everybody cares what it tastes like. So at this point, we take our first bite, and every bite of a chicken pot pie just makes you feel like you're being hugged by your favorite person in the whole world. The warm, delicious sauce, along with the veggies and the crispy puff pastry, just truly create a perfect bite every single time. I must say, a simple dish like a pot pie brings me a lot of joy. It makes your house smell amazing. Everybody in your family will love it, and it's just a staple in my household when we're craving comfort food on a cold or rainy day. So I implore you to try this dish. It's deceptively easy, and you absolutely won't regret it. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode and try this recipe. Please reach out on social at Podcast or Megan at the HCGpodcast.com with your thoughts or any tips and tricks that I can do to make these recipes even more delicious in the future. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Home Cook's Guide. If you're loving the show, leave me a five-star rating and a glowing review. You can also follow me on social media at the HCG Podcast or shoot me an email at Megan at the HCG Podcast.com. And let's not forget, I spell my name the right way, M-E-G-A-N. Got any good recipes? Send them my way, please. And be sure to tune in every week for more delicious recipes.